Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Chris Calicut and Dennis Farrell. Today we're going to talk about SmackDown Live for February 28th, 2017. Oh my God, what a show last night. So much to talk about. We were excited even before this podcast started getting into it already. A little bit of throwback to the Attitude Era last night, and I got to say, I really got a kick out of it. Ran the full spectrum of emotions and just think it was an incredible show. Uh, guys, welcome. Dennis, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on the show last night? It was a, you're right, emotional roller coaster. The highs were highs, but man, some of the lows, and maybe I'm nitpicking when we go through segment by segment, but man, some of the lows were pretty bad. Yeah, not a perfect show, but a fun show. Chris, <clears throat> your thoughts? I'm sort of uh, on the same wavelength as that. There was a couple of things where I was like, eh, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> but with that said, you know, the opening segment and the closing segment absolutely, to me, hit home runs in one retrospect or or another. Um, so I'm excited to, to roll through the show. Yeah, cool, man. Well, that being said, let's get started. First segment, The Miz coming out there, joined uh, The Miz and Maurice, joined by John Cena. Now, this promo, um, I thought this was really good. I mean, I love how The Miz gave, I think, the ultimate version of the John Cena takedown, right? I mean, he's uh, not a very good wrestler, left for Hollywood, all the stuff that we always hear, but I thought The Miz did it in a really compelling way. And then John, you know, I called this on Twitter. Uh, John sort of reminded me of, of that great final battle in Eight Mile. Only would have been better had John Cena gone first in taking down himself when launching into the fact that, yes, this is where his career is at because of all his actions and because of where his career is at, he's feuding against The Miz and not The Undertaker. Uh, Chris, what, what did you think of this, this setup and then how it uh, digressed? This segment by my watch took about 24 minutes and I did not care whatsoever. Um, you know, normally we start complaining after about 12 to 15 minutes of an opening segment. I never even looked at the clock once. I was that drawn in by the segment. But the only thing that I didn't like, at least a little bit, was, again, like you said, John Cena went second. Yeah. He actually got to retort and then kind of threw some stuff back at the Miz. So it's kind of like, hey, I'm John Cena. I just solidified what Miz just said about me in a way. Um, but I also love the slight hypocrisy of Miz talking about Cena doing the movie roles, that kind of thing. Being a star <laughs> of many WWE films himself, um, yeah. you know, I, I love the slight hypocrisy, but people were all all gung ho for it. But overall, I thought it was a fantastic segment. I love how the WWE walks that fine line of the Miz is the A-lister, but hey, everybody, let's be real for a second. This is all going direct to digital. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, Dennis, what did you think of it? I loved 99.9% of this whole segment. Uh, there are two different scenes I noticed. There's Urban Cena where you know, he talks a little gangster, and it seems like from promo to promo he changes. I'm not sure what Cena we're going to get. You know, He's a little uh, rappy or attitude-y. You know, what, dog? You know, it, yeah. I, I wish he'd be a little bit more in line. Stay with one different Cena. Don't change the different Cenas up. I love how the Miz took control, turned off his mic and said, you'll talk when I want to hear you talk. Uh, the Miz was all about it. I, I liked it, except when they started to set up the mixed tag team thing. <laughs> yeah. Out, like, you don't smack my man and all that. Did, did we not forget that she got attacked with a pipe by Maurice and it was never once mentioned at all. It was just about her slapping the man. That kind of irked me a little bit. 
Yeah, I was going to say, um, this was a classic, you know, granted we're, we're only in March, but this was a best of the year segment. This was on its way to classic of the era segment until Maurice started talking. <laughs> and then once Maurice grabbed the mic, I was like, oh, dear God, now we realize like, why they don't right. let Maurice cut promos. This feud does right now, or at least the first 22 minutes of it, did not need the girls. We knew the direction it was going to go, um, but I was already to see a rematch between Cena and Miz. Um, yeah. But I now am looking forward to a freaking mixed tag match yeah. more so than I am most of the Raw feuds combined. So, I mean, great job to everybody involved. Miz is so good. He is so good. And, and, and right now he is just, he's been on a roll for uh, since Re WrestleMania last year. And I think we're with Cena. Yeah, I mean, Cena, definitely the two personas, right? He goes from urban to talking like Foghorn Leghorn. Like, yeah. it seems that, you know, and yet he's from Massachusetts. I don't know how that happened. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very interesting how they do that with this character. I think had he gone first last night and, again, done sort of the, the final battle in Eight Mile takedown, I think it would have been all-time best Cena promo ever if he would have just started with that. But the interplay with him in The Miz was fantastic. And uh, yeah, Nikki coming out. So Nikki and Cena kissing on screen. First time that's ever happened. Uh, you, you know, they, they ruined it for when she had the mic and she's like, oh, it's on. Yeah, I don't know what the custom <laughs> on the podcast is, but I'll leave that part out. It, she killed it. It was like one line that like, hey, you just beat me with a pipe. I'm a little bit irked at you. Uh, you know, it's like what happened last week didn't even exist. It was all about the men and the women just showed up and were like, ooh, cat fight. Yeah, it, it is definitely relegating them to a secondary role in the whole feud. But I think it'll be very interesting seeing what we saw last night. If they're building up to this for real and a month from now, WrestleMania, John's going to propose to her after that match. It'll be very interesting. Ooh, ooh. see, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I've started I've started to see that little take everywhere. Uh, it, it only makes sense, right? I mean, uh, with the total divas and Bella cameras rolling at the same time. And it, it only makes sense. It makes for a big moment. So especially as Nikki looks to be taking a time, uh, some time off, it looks like. Yeah. So that was uh, the opening of the show last night. And a fantastic, for the most part, opening it was. Um, after that, we, and man, any other night, this would, this would have been, you know, a real standout hot segment to start with. But after that, we had a two out of three falls match with Becky Lynch and Mickey James. Um, so Dennis, what did you think of this, this match and how it compared to their previous ones? I, I was taken out immediately when they announced it. It's like, these two again? Can we do yeah. something different? And then it, they started the falls anywhere, and it was over really quickly with the DDT. I wasn't believed. It wasn't believable that, you know, right after the DDT, Becky Lynch would just rebound and come back and get the next fall. We all knew, but, you know, really, you just took a fall immediately in the match from a DDT. Sell it. Make me believe. If, <laughs> if Bliss came out like after the first fall, I could have seen where this was going, but I didn't even care. When they announced Becky Lynch, Mickey James, it was bathroom break time for me. Wow. Chris? Uh, I'm not going to be that much of a detractor on this one because I think these two girls work very well together. They can't really have a bad match um, as we've seen so far. But with the first fall, Mickey with the DDT, although it was just what the Mickey DT or something. It was it's a, ter <laughs> it's a terrible name, but it, it looked really cool. It was a great looking DDT. Um, so I was fine with that. We knew Becky was going to get the second fall, a roll up, you know, sure, sneak in the second fall. Uh, the third fall. 
to me, did a couple different things. It set up maybe a possibility with Alexa versus Mickey down the line. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't kind of, it wasn't very smooth, I'll say that. Uh, but it did plant the seeds for that. But then we got the uh, Natalia segment, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of contenders now that, that are looking for that title. So, I, you know, we're looking probably toward a multi-woman match at Mania. But uh, I thought that third fall did at least some good things in furthering some, some storylines along. You know, I uh, agree, uh, Alonzo in the chat saying, you know, likes the Becky versus Mickey feud. I'm absolutely along for the ride with this thing. I feel like last night setting up as a two out of three falls match. I think if you're going to do that, it should be a main event or it should be a match that has a longer time to go and really let them showcase their skills. I thought it was very mm -hmm. quick, probably because it was on a show that had a lot of other stuff going on. Um, it felt very condensed and I thought it was good. It just wasn't the great match I know they're capable of. And I liked at the end with Alexa coming out, um, that whole thing seems like it's setting up a little heat maybe between Mickey and Alexa going forward. Um, the, the, there, of course, we went backstage to the segment with Alexa and Natalia setting up some stuff there. But yeah, I thought all in all, it was good. It was just had the disadvantage of being on a really f fairly stacked night, all things considered with uh, the promos that bookended the show and the other matches we saw that we're going to talk to. Ben Becky Lynch did uh, win that match. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the McDDT, that's that's a reference to the McDonald's, uh, Mick, uh, what was it, the McDLT back in the oh. 80s. You would there get you this weird, uh, like, double styrofoam contraption. On one side, you would have, like, your hot side of your burger. On the other side, you have the bun with the lettuce and tomato. And the slogan was, keeps the hot side hot and the cool side cool. And yeah. it bombed miserably. It was gone after about, you know, three months. Man, that's reaching, that's reaching back there. Yeah, well, I was like, McDDT, what does that remind me of? Oh, yes, now I get what they were going for there. Um, so we went from that, uh, I don't know. Okay, Alexa, I love the interview. I love how she was able to sort of go back and forth between, uh, you know, just being really snarky, then the little bit of uh, emotion, and then Natalia coming out and interrupting. Do you guys think this is sort of, are, do you think they're really going to build this, uh, Dennis, to you first? I mean, is this going to be the program Alexa's in leading up to WrestleMania? I hope so. I, I'm kind of a fan of Natalia. She's been a great worker. You plug and play. I have zero complaints. The Nikki Bella Natalia thing, I could have watched that for another month. It was that compelling, and it was. It just seemed like it was full steam ahead, and the drop-off was just massive. She deserves to hold on to that title for a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm all in, and I'd like to see her end up with the title for a short, a short run at least. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I agree that Natty has been an asset to this company for many years. I and mean, as she is more of a veteran these days, I'd love to see her have one last run. And she's doing some good work. I mean, I, the last time I was on this podcast, I hated the Nikki Natty feud. But then it started growing on me, and they had a nice couple of matches to, to blow that feud off. So Alexa, once again, very good. Her facial expressions, her acting, her phrasing, all very good as always. She managed to make the 10th Oscar joke on WWE television somewhat <laughs> funny and relevant, um, which I thought was a feat amongst itself. Um, but also, I like the heel versus heel dynamic because it's different. The title should be sought after. Um, so, so the heel versus heel thing uh, I think maybe with Natty turning at some point, uh, but I, I like the concept in and of itself. Uh, so after that, 
Luke Harper versus AJ Styles for the number one contenders match. Uh, what'd you think of this, Dennis, after all the, the buildup with uh, where they were going to set this up as a, as a credible direction they might be going in, but it looks now based on the ending that, you know, we're going to get a bit of a swerve there. What did you think of the match that Luke and AJ put on? I was scared. I'm not even going to lie to you guys because let's be honest about Luke Harper. In another four months, he's going to be jobbing around. It, we all know what happens. And how strong they made him look at, against AJ in the first five minutes of the match. I really thought in, in four, five months from now, we're going to have to go, remember that time AJ had to put over Luke Harper? He, and I'm glad we didn't have to do that. I'm glad that we won't have the stain of AJ just getting squashed by Luke Harper in a match when Luke Harper can't even beat the the Brooklyn Brawler. So the fact that AJ went over went over clean and went over twice, even with the foot on the rope, it, it redeemed itself. And it made me believe that, okay, AJ Styles is back in and whatever's going to happen with Luke Harper, I'm curious. Chris? Luke Harper's good, man. Um, and he's finally getting a chance to show that with the brand extension. The, the guy can work his behind off for a bigger guy. Um, and at some points in this match, the chants were 50-50 for him and AJ, which if, if I would have told you that last year, him coming back from injury, having sort of a, a lackluster reaction, if I would have told you he was going to be getting dueling chants with AJ Styles in, in the next year, you would have called me absolutely nuts. Um, so I think that's a testament not only to his work, but the way they've actually booked him lately. Um, but again, with, with Harper's foot on the rope, you kind of protect him to an extent, but you also pin him twice. Um, with news that Eric Rowan has been uh, cleared for competition again, I hope that they don't just completely drop Harper to oblivion and back into a tag team with Rowan. Now, if that leads to you know a tag team feud, a legitimate tag team feud, say with American Alpha or whoever, uh, I'm okay with it. But the match itself I thought was fantastic. Both guys uh, got the spotlight, and I, I think it shows you what Harper can absolutely do. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I thought the match was good. I, I feel bad that they've given a, Luke this bit of a push, and now it seems like that's that's going to take a back seat because the unfortunate part is, man, there's, there's a long way to, to go down after feuding with AJ on the SmackDown roster. You know, there's just not that much uh, that they could put him into. And it absolutely could happen. He could end up at something with Mojo or Apollo or someone at that level where, you know, those pre-show level feuds at best. I do want to say real yeah. quick, I'm curious to see if we see any reper repercussions from the massive kick that Harper gave to, you know, uh, was it Shane McMahon towards mm -hmm. the end of that match? Mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know if that's a blow off or if that's just something that's going to be ignored, but I hope they do something with that kick. That that seems like a planting the seed for something maybe a little bit down the line. Harper uh, versus Shane at WrestleMania, book it. <laughs> I think they're going to go the absolute opposite direction because I think uh, Shane is going to see what happened there and he's got some blackmail on another camera angle or something. I think it's going to end up being the – pre-planned AJ versus Shane match at Mania. So I don't know exactly what they do with Luke Harper in that situation, but I think uh, commentary put over as Harper having that as an absolute accident, kicking Shane what was a big accident. They, they did not try to sell it as any sort of malice or anything whatsoever. But two, we, we forgot, I think, the, the quick promo that Harper did before the match. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I thought he felt really comfortable in, in that as well. So, you know, the guy can talk too. Hey, who would have thunk it? 
you know, they, they give him a microphone and he's actually uh, pretty solid. So I, I could think they could do a solid face turn with him and give him some real good material to work with. I just think they need to distance him from the Wyatts even more to do that. But it seems like that's that's underway. You know, the Wyatts mm -hmm. are the Wyatts are being dissolved as we speak. <laughs> Maybe without the compound. You know, they got no place to meet. They're texting <laughs> each other. They can't figure it out. They're sitting in a food court at a mall. They're just like, guys, this is getting silly at this point. You know, let's go our separate ways. Uh, you know, Braun won't return our calls. Uh, <laughs> uh, so after that, man, you know, I, I mean, part of me wants to joke about it is just, you know, say match of the night. But man, I loved what they did with Dean Ambrose and Kurt Hawkins. Like that was just, I, I can't remember the last time I saw anything like quite like that in terms of just saying like, this guy is such a jobber, you know, no, no entrance, standing in the ring, matches over in a second. And then Dean just goes boom, right to Corbin. Loved how they pulled that off. Five stars for me. Absolutely. Um, it was the best Kurt Hawkins match I've ever watched. Entertaining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because he actually is pretty hilarious as the comedic heel. Even if you go back to his days with, was it Tyler Rex that they were doing their thing? They were actually kind of funny. They just never got a legit uh, shot on the main shows. Uh, but I mean, as a comedic heel, he's fine. Uh, Ambrose, when, after the, the little, I guess, match or non-match, whatever you want to call it, uh, his promo with Corbin wasn't my favorite, but I guess we can dive into that in just a second. Yeah, um, Dennis, so what, what did you think? And how do you feel Kurt Hawkins' return to the WWE has gone in general? I Listen, you, we'll all be jobbers in the WWE if they even gave us a chance. So there's, <laughs> you know, I know jobbers is a dirty little word people like to use. And I think it's a compliment. You're up there, whether you're getting smacked around or not. I, I think the WWE lacks these kind of guys, like the Dolph Ziggler's <clears throat> and Kurt Hawkins, who we know they're going to lose most of the time. But when they win, it's a good upset, and you can either build them or you can enhance other people with these guys where, you know, they're legitimate so-so guys. So I think the world needs more Kurt Hawkins, at least the WWE. I, Dean Ambrose, it was great. He went in, boom. It was almost a hillish move that put it off as in, just get out. I've got other business I need to take care of. So I really like the, you know, unstable Dean Ambrose, you know, asylum thing they're going with. I loved uh, the promo he cut last night. I thought I Dean was really fun. What was that? Like, I've learned in my life, you should never call a woman sturdy. <laughs> you know, just all the little, little uh, drops of wisdom he was putting out there, I thought were fantastic. Uh, I love what they're doing with him. You know, I think it was boring when he had the World Heavyweight uh, Championship, but as the IC champ, I think they booked it pretty well. I like that they're, you know, having him carry that strap, but not let it define him to the point that he even makes a big deal out of it. I think it works pretty well. Uh, so, Chris, what do you think about the promo uh, Corbin cut there? Uh, I love this because I get to disagree with you guys. Normally, I'm actually on the same page. But, see, <laughs> I've, I'm not a campy, jokey Dean Ambrose fan. I would rather him be more of that serious type of crazy, lunatic-ish thingy. Uh, I'm not much for campy, jokey Dean. Uh, now, now, I did pop for some of his jokes. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but... <laughs> I mean, the sturdy thing, I was like, okay, that's that's funny. That's cute. But uh, I'm just not a fan of that style of Ambrose's work. Um, but I think it works in this section because Corbin is the ultimate I'm going to kill you type of heel, even though his delivery in this promo was probably one of his better ones on TV based on the length of the promo. But if you compare his work 
on the actual show to Talking Smack. His Talking Smack work uh, is absolutely miles better than his actual show work because he has a script in front of him instead of just shooting the bull with the host. Can I ask about this? And is it just me? But, you know, the Corbin balding thing really takes me out of belief. And this, granted, I feel horrible about saying this because I'm probably balding too and I don't even know it. But, you know, when he when he wears his old toque, I'm in like, oh, this is so good. But when he's out there and he's looking like an early Hulk Hogan, you know, the runway starting to go. I, I get taken out of it a little bit. I start going, I don't I don't I don't want to see another week. Listen. Glenn, me and you grew up in the 80s and the 90s with the balding wrestlers, and all of them were going bald. I don't want to see it anymore. Give me a guy with a nice head of hair. Hook him up with the, the dude on Monday night who gets very defensive about how it's his hair. His hair. He messes hair, his hair up if he wants to mess his hair up, you know? You can't tell him what to do. I think oh, that every time man. I see Corbin now, where I'm just like, man, you guys have a sponsor that does this. Give it to him. Yeah, give him some Rogaine, man. Or just, you know, figure... For me, when I see the balding... I don't know. I don't know if you have this, Dennis. I'm about to turn 41 years old tomorrow. When I see a wrestler that, thank you. Uh, when I see a uh, wrestler that is balding, I immediately think, oh man, he's old. He's like older than I am. Like this guy, what's he like pushing 50, you know? And it's just, I, and it's strange to me when I find out people like that are considerably younger than I am. Yeah. I'll, I'll be 40 in November. I know what you mean. You Hulk Hogan, macho man these guys were legitimate threats but growing up they they just were missing the hair and it just i judge in a book by its cover there i said it i'm a judger and i'm okay with that <laughs> but two, it, right but, but the two guys that you just mentioned um macho man and hulk hogan they had the personality that you could look past their appearance a little bit um and, and sort of just go with their character Whereas with Corbin, he's not quite to that level yet, and you have stuff to focus on. Give him a hat. Let him wear it backwards. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, his, his little beanie goes along with the biker, uh, emo biker type of gimmick. Uh, his little beanie that he wears sometimes. But again, he can't wrestle in it. So, I mean, you still have to look at him at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, with Corbin, I just think they need to just make him look as strong as possible. And with that, I mean, play down your flaws. I think that's really the key. You know, don't don't enhance them. Speaking of sponsors, want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this episode, DDPY, DDP Yoga. So it's true. You know, we talked about it. For other things in life, you need crazy solutions. Like if you're losing your hair, you have to use drugs, all sorts of expensive <laughs> therapy. Here's the great news. If you're not in shape, if you want to be in better shape, there's an easy solution. It takes dedication, hard work, and DDPY. Specifically, their awesome Max Pack, which is used by the likes of Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, Mick Foley, Gold Dust, and tons of other WWE stars. We've got a deal for you. You can get three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app for 25% off, or you can get the DDPY DVDs for 25% off, which includes three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. This DDP Yoga Now app is awesome. It's got all kinds of workouts, so you're never going to get bored with doing your routines. It's got cooking lessons from Diamond Dallas Page himself, where he'll teach you how to make healthy food taste amazing. And it's got motivational messages every week from DDP to keep you on track and keep you focused on your fitness goals. We've also got a great deal where you can buy a max or combo pack of 25% off and get 50% off the second one. Sign up now at ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. That's ddpyoga.com slash wrestling inc. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. And congrats to Diamond Dallas Page for being part of the 2017 WWE Hall of Fame class. Look forward to seeing that ceremony. He's done so much great work. 
inside the ring, but especially outside the ring and helping people turn their lives around with DDP yoga. Glad to be associated with them. Absolutely. So, and, and, and real quick, you yeah. can also go to prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestling Inc and get this beautiful thing that I am wearing today. Um, <laughs> also in a, a black and white versions of the shirt, wrestlinginc.com official shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestling Inc. Cool, man. Definitely appreciate the support of the site and the podcast. So let's talk about this. Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Apollo Crews. Uh, Dennis, did this, did this match do anything for you? <sighs> Once again, he, it's entertaining, but Dolph Ziggler, as I said at the last time I'm here, he is a glorified jobber. He can sell his greatest weakness is what people think his strength is strength is. He is amazing at selling, but he's not amazing at, at making me believe he can put damage on anybody. And then they're like, oh, he's going to break Apollo Cruz's ankle again in like three weeks. I broke it an ankle. It takes a lot more than three <laughs> to do what he did. Just tell me he sprained it or something. The match was all right. The ending was a little fun. You know, I, you, you drop him, you know, on the crotch in the chair. Okay, cool. I, it probably went on about three minutes longer than it probably should have. Yeah, I don't know if you're making Cruz look strong or Ziggler look weak or Ziggler look – to me, it's just muddied, and it's just wasting airtime for me. Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with you on, on this one, Glenn, because you like to pick on my Southern accent. I'm going to throw out a Southern catchphrase for you. Uh, this booking is bass backwards um, <laughs> because the baby face, Apollo Cruz, attacks the heel from behind before the match. That Doesn't that just scream baby face to you guys? I mean, yeah. w what type of move exactly was that? But the match itself was okay. Ziggler, again, a million bucks uh, as far as selling. Again, like you said, Dennis, it could be his downfall at some points. Um, but Ziggler got the decisive win this time with the uh, the two different shots from the chair, one to the throat and then one to the, uh, the private area that uh, would probably make any of us hurt a little bit. But uh, so it was a unique finish. Uh, the match was fine, but again, I just hope this feud is finally done. I don't think it did much for either guy. Yeah, and I have to say overall, with Dolph, I don't mind. I actually quite like the run they gave him back towards the title where, yeah, he is a jobber, and they made it a little bit of a Charlie Brown thing where it was like, you know, when he was on the phone to his mom saying, yeah, I lost again, but I really tried this time. You know, <laughs> uh, I think there's a good character there, but him as a heel in doing this, I just don't think it's a natural fit. Um, and I really think the show, if, if I my main note to improve the show last night would have been to flip the order of the Luke AJ match and the Apollo Dolph match. I think that it would have elevated AJ and Luke to a higher position, segued nicer into the final segment. But I think that had uh, this match not been in the position it was, I think it would have been better received as something to build the show and not be the destination that they made it out to be. Yeah, but also, I don't know if you really want the main event in-ring segment to flow right into that yeah. Bray Wyatt compound segment. I think you sort of want, like typical WWE show booking, you kind of want that cool down type of thing. And I think that's what this match um, sort of played that role as. But don't forget the mixed tag segment that we're getting next week, Glenn. We passed right oh. over that. Yeah, oh, my so goodness. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so if you're looking forward to seeing Cena and Nikki face The Miz and Marisa WrestleMania. Let me Just tell wait. you, next week, 
we're going to have Cena and Nikki facing Ellsworth and Carmella. Um, I liked the little promo they did for that last night. I thought that was cute. Uh, I liked seeing Cena interact with Ellsworth. Everyone interacting with Ellsworth for the first time is funny or at least entertaining in a charming sort of way. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be a nothing match next week, but good for them. Good for uh, Carmella and Ellsworth for getting to do a segment on that level because they've been just largely a little comedic afterthought in the WWE as of late. They had more airtime than American Alphas did, it seemed like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, watching Talking Smack with American Alpha, it was weird to have it pointed out that last night we didn't get the Usos, American Alpha, we didn't see Mojo. Um, yeah, a lot of people were missing, and it was still a fairly strong show. I mean, yeah, the mixed tag thing next week is going to be ultimate time filler. I'm sure Miz and Maurice will make an appearance. But the only thing that really cracked me up was how scared, like legitimately, Ellsworth was of Cena. <laughs> and, you know, and letting Carmella push all the buttons. And the girlfriend, uh, I mean, friend, that's a girl. And, you know, the, the phrasing and stuff was cute. So I'm sure it'll lead to something with Miz and Maurice next week. But it was fine. Uh, but absolutely uh looking forward to this main event segment yeah so last night uh bray wyatt in the ring given given the promo that you know we've heard his invocation talking about uh that you know against aj that uh, AJ's gonna fear the spirit of bias above himself i feel like no one talks about bias above very much anymore we we hear more about satan really more than anyone these days you know mephisto right. even the devil kind of taking a back seat in the grand scheme of satanic mythology so bias above sure let's go there um i thought bray was very colorful with this promo there only to be interrupted by randy orton so here was where I started with having an issue with this. And I know, Chris, we were talking off the air that, you know, Raj on Twitter was talking about how he didn't like this segment. The thing I didn't like was going straight to the compound with, which, was that supposed to be the entire compound? Because it was a really small shack. Like That's a, that's a utility shed, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, a utility shed on, like, Bray's, yeah, Bray's aunt's, like, <laughs> estate. They get the shed. That's the Wyatt compound. That, that's like a teenage thing. Like, hey, guys, let's all meet up later at the compound. And like, no, dude, really, it's like the tool shed behind your dad's house. You know, giving it a nickname is only going to dress it up so much. Um, so Randy was there, but there was no... Okay, so my, my complaint with the start of this, there was no organic build to this. We have Brand, uh, Randy swearing his allegiance down on his knees, kneel before Zod to Bray Wyatt, and then he's backstage looking like nothing ever happened. He's been playing him the whole time. That being said, so get over the lack of transition. Randy cut an amazing promo, threatened to exhume the body of Sister Abigail, uh, take away Bray's power. Bray's speaking in tongues and, you know, uh, doing incantations in the ring. And then next thing you know, Randy's burning down uh, the shed outside. The most over-the-top segment I think we've seen on WWE TV in quite some time. I ran the full gamut of emotions during this last night where at first it was kind of like, well, this is abrupt to then this is silly to then at the end. I was like, Ooh, little, little goosebumps, little hairs with what they were doing there. Dennis, what was your reaction to what you happened? Know, it, it was a little overproduced for my liking. I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I loved it. The second time I watched it, I said, well, they could have done without the eight shots of the worms in, in the dirt. It sure. Didn't do much for me. It relayed a message it left a lot of questions of, oh, well, we all knew he was going to WrestleMania, which didn't do anything on, you know, talking smack, by the way. I, I, I walked away going, all right, 
you you left out a few things about trying to destroy the Wyatt family from the inside. You, you, you <laughs> lost over a lot of your motivations and the reasons. But I look, it was good. It was over the top. It made me feel old school a little bit there. I can't say too much about it other than the overproduced part. I think I would have given it an A. Yeah. Chris? Um, besides the fact that you said it, it happened out of nowhere, which mm-hmm. with Randy, things seem to happen out of nowhere. nowhere. But um, <laughs> I think it should happen maybe about two weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, with with two weeks left to Mania, they, they could have built that one-on-one match if that's indeed the way that they're going. Um, but him being at the compound by himself, the rocking chairs going, so the spirit of Abigail, whatnot. So all, all of the production was there. But I'm with Dennis, too, that it's a little overproduced. I thought it got campy to an extent once or twice. Um, Randy Orton delivered his lines well. To me, he didn't overact as much. Um, I, I watched it a second time. First, The first time, I thought it was a little too campy. And then, actually, the second time, I thought he delivered it well. It was more like his uh, TV uh, showings on USA or whatever. Uh, but the music was a little suspect. It was a little cheap horror film-esque for me. Uh, but I think, number one, this was different. We, we harp on WWE all the time for not being different. This was something different. They're normally good for one or two of these types of segments per year. So kudos to them for being outside of the box, for being creative. But I think one of the main things that they should have gotten across that I got, which I'm hoping others got, was we now feel a little bit of sympathy for Bray Wyatt. You know, Sister Abigail, his crutch, his his lifelong thing has now been either burned or exhumed or whatever. So I think we get that sympathy for Bray Wyatt, which I think in turn will give him a face turn and potentially make big money. I was about to ask you, who came out as the heel and who came out as the face in this? I mean, <laughs> uh, not that a problem. I think they could go forward without either one of them being labeled a heel or a face. I, mm-hmm. I, but at the end, I just went, do I feel bad or do I feel good for Orton? Who... Who came out looking good, as in the good guy, the bad guy? Because they both looked good. They both acted it well. They both sold that in promo. But who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Yeah, I don't know. I think they could do a face turn with Bray if he shows up next week. It makes it seem like all this time he's been possessed by the spirit and it's not there anymore. And we get to see Bray as the person. He comes in dressed like a CPU, like, hey, guys, I'm back. Here to do your taxes. No, but I think they could they could make him more vulnerable. You know, I think they could give him like some real vulnerability and really give him a character that people could get behind. I think that would be interesting. I'm not saying they're gonna do it. Um, but you know, with Randy, it just it was so abrupt. I mean, all, this whole thing with Randy and the Wyatts has just been so um I mean, I guess forced is the word because it didn't feel like it developed organically. It felt like now Randy's going to join the Wyatts. And Randy's like, I am a Wyatt now. It's Uh, it's almost like they panicked a bit and forgot to make a middle ground between him pledging his allegiance and this. It's like, uh uh-oh, we forgot to do something. Let's go ahead and pull the trigger. Maybe we can stretch it out for, what, four more weeks before Mania. So that's the reason I thought maybe two weeks would have been plenty of time because with the the whole – Harper, AJ proceedings, I thought you could have gotten at least one or two more weeks out of that with the Shane McMahon dynamic before you started building toward AJ and and Shane. But um, 
you know, people would have just complained at that point too, because, oh, who's the number one contender? We want to know now. And then you're going to complain about having a long drawn out feud that's not interesting going toward Mania. So it was sort of a catch-22, but I thought a couple of these things had a little bit more legs to them. I, I don't know if they should have pulled the trigger on Orton quite this quickly. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I thought last night it, it, I, I was into it and went along with it. And then I got distracted. I had to post on Twitter because Randy's going on and on about all this stuff. And then that stupid Chiron down there for Chris Lee knows best new episode up next. <laughs> like someone in programming, you know, obviously didn't know ahead of time what they were going to be doing on WWE TV, but it seemed very abrupt for them to get so serious with that. Uh, I mean, it's serious. It's, it's sort of dark in tone while still being campy. I just thought it was crazy. I mean, and that, that's what I loved about it. I love that this was crazy WWE and not crazy in the sense that it was like offensive or tone deaf or some of the other stuff they've done. It was just that they really went over the top. And I'll say you compare this to what they did six months ago with their final deletion ripoff at the Wyatt compound with the New Day. And I thought that this last night, like I want to see more outside the box thinking in production segments like this, because I thought it was a very entertaining way to end SmackDown. Yeah, this was done much, much better than the, the Wyatt compound with the New Day, I thought. Um, but again, this is sort of a step back to yesteryear. It felt kind of like an old school feud with better production and technology. Um, it's not a Twitter war, uh, which a lot of feuds are right now. It, it felt different. It felt outside of the box. You know, it, it gave us a different perspective than what we're used to seeing on WWE TV. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so all in all, Dennis, how'd you think SmackDown did last night compared to Raw? As I said before, the highs were highs. A few of the lows were lows. So kind of like heroin? It, it is, yeah. The highs I, get higher, the lows get lower. I was at the end crying like, what did I just do? <laughs> but it's way better than Raw. Still, it's, it's protected by not a lot of uh, having to stretch segments out. It doesn't have to expose itself. But to me, I left walking going, you know, do, do they not put an emphasis on the tag team belts on SmackDown? I'm a little bit irked that the one of the greatest prizes in WWE or any wrestling organization is to hold a belt. And to me, every belt holder should at least be on TV or in the ring for a segment or something. And this is, seems like the third or fourth time in like three months, two months that you've not seen the belts on SmackDown. And I'm starting to wonder, like, why are they even having a tag team division in there? Yeah, no, that, that's an absolutely fair point. And they were actually in Gable's hometown. He expressed this on Talking Smack, too, that uh, he won a high school wrestling title in that same building. And he, his parents were there. He was hoping to get a nice little bit of shine in the arena that he could get a nice pop from. But uh, they were nowhere to be found. Uh, the only thing they had was photos of the Usos um, that the Usos took of them, kind of like in a stalkerish type thing. I mean, it was kind of weird, but uh, that's the direction they went on Talking Smack. And I think they posted them all on Twitter, too. Yeah, it was very strange with that whole thing where uh... – on Talking Smack, where they were talking about that, they, were, they weren't showing the photos on Talking Smack. They were just alluding to the fact, like, mm -hmm. oh, you gotta check out what the Usos did on Twitter. I thought Talking Smack was good last night, but that was a short Talking Smack. It was, what, like 18 minutes? Yeah, it was It was much shorter than usual. Not a lot of content. Even the uh, AJ Shane thing um, didn't really do it for me uh, like I thought it might. Yeah, AJ, very, uh, very protective about his number one shot there. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he should hook up with that guy who's really adamant about the fact it's his hair from the commercial. I feel like <laughs> right? AJ and that guy's simpatico spirits. Hook you know? up with uh, Corbin. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. They're going to all hang out. This is my title. This is my shot. This is my hair. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought with AJ, I thought that was good to build the intensity. So I think we know where they're headed with this. I mean, we're going to probably see Randy uh, face off against AJ in the next week or two to determine who actually gets the shot at WrestleMania. Somehow Shane will be blamed. AJ will go up against Shane at Mania. And then we'll have Orton versus Bray, as has been predicted all along. Would you feel comfortable if they actually went that route? Because to me, I don't want to see them have to face off. I, I think you could really push the storyline along if they never faced each other and, and Shane has to just make a decision. Yeah. No, yeah, nice. I, yeah, I like that idea a lot because we've seen the match already. It's a good match. Um, or, or, or have we, actually? I, I need to look back at that. But uh, it feels like we have because Orton has faced just about everybody. But uh, I like that if we're going to make the AJ-Shane feud a thing, Shane needs to make an ultimate decision to really tick AJ off and almost turn face in the whole process in a way. Yeah. No, I think that would be – an interesting way for it to go. Um, have they done Orton versus Styles since they've been I, back? Yeah. I feel like that's the one that hasn't happened. Yeah, you, I believe you're right. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I believe you are correct. I, you know, it, it, I wish they'd done that at the last pay per view in, in building this, um, the last SmackDown pay per view. I feel like that's a pay per view worthy match, but I don't think we're going to get that at WrestleMania. I wish we got that at WrestleMania. I think that'd actually be pretty good. Orton mm -hmm. versus AJ. Yeah. But, you know, uh, at the same time, you can still build it. You can put that in your back pocket and not have to spend it right away. WrestleMania is going to be star-studded. It's going to be packed. I don't think you need that match to make WrestleMania that much better. You can tease it. I would love to see these guys, you know, they set the number one contender match. You know, Orton's in the ring. AJ comes out and says, no, I've done what I had to do. I'm not going to face him and force Shane McMahon into doing something thus maybe teasing that for down the line yeah. saving that for a special occasion instead of blowing it off at like a fast lane or whatever the smackdown you know in between pay-per-view event that we don't really care about is <laughs> the same make me want it down the line don't give it to me now on a smackdown just to further a storyline put that in your back that that is a primo matchup that needs to be saved for a special occasion put it on the top shelf don't let us greedy fans touch it until it's time just let it ferment that's that's all i'm saying on that yeah no i think it'd be great but i think they might blow it off next week or the week after it's gonna sure. be the opening card on next week's smackdown oh yeah. yeah positive uh so john davis in chat's pointing out american alpha was actually drafted to talking smack so uh, <laughs> we're seeing them these days um yeah i thought talking smack last night was a rare week where talking smack was seemed like a lesser entity compared to what all the craziness we saw on smackdown i loved daniel and renee trying to even comment on what had just happened on smackdown you know daniel trying to be like oh i try sure i got sick of it i never tried to burn down their house i mean it was so strange to that have that snap back to reality of them trying to contextualize what we'd just seen and it gets better every single week like the lack of care that Daniel Bryan has on that show. As far as I don't care if I get fired, I'm going to say that James Ellsworth has a hog and all that nonsense. You know, he keeps harping on that for whatever reason, but he's like, I'm trying to get fired. I'm about to have a baby. Just take me off of television already. 
I got to tend to my garden, guys. <laughs> oh, man. So, so weird. Uh, just uh, when you think about the context of it all, I feel like Daniel Bryan is pushing the limits of what he can do without them paying him to sit out the rest of his contract. But I also get the feeling like he's fighting a nobody battle. There's no conflict between him and Shane. Shane's just like, you're my buddy. I, why would I fire you? Daniel's like, I'm going to push the limits to get fired. And Shane's like, what What limits? What? So it, to me, I, I'm left going every week going, who is he fighting against? Is he teen <laughs> angst? Well, come on, Daniel. Just relax. The man. That's it. There That's is it. no man on SmackDown, it seems exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah, that is interesting, the lack of the man on SmackDown. Raw is very good, but Raw's not even doing anything really with that right now. I mean, you have sort of Mick and Steph, their struggle, but I think that's that's what worked so well in the past was being against the authority. Now I feel like you know we don't have any great protagonist to go against Stephanie, and it's really sorely lacking in the, in the Raw stable. SmackDown, uh, rainbows and ponies and ice cream. <laughs> It's a great show, man. You know, week in and week out. I think this week especially, no question, SmackDown was the better show. Um, you know, Raw definitely had to share problems this week. But good, man. I'm glad we were able to, to hash this all out. So what else are you guys paying attention to this week in the world of wrestling? Uh, Dennis, anything I'm, else on your radar? I, I'm watching this TNA stuff a little closely. It seems like all the rats are billing out on the ship. I, I want to see if any of this may affect WrestleMania. Hint, hint, hearty stuff. So... I'm just kind of keeping an eye on that from from a new standpoint. You know, I'll catch, you know, NXT a little bit down the line this week. To me, it's not a, a must-watch right-away show. But that that's kind of all I'm really paying attention on. Chris? Yeah, the Hardy situation is unfolding and, and gets more interesting by the day because Matt Hardy, for the lack of a better term, has been a creative genius lately, uh, not only with his character makeup, but – um, also in self-promoting because the different tweets that he's been uh, sending out, whether it be to WWE talents um, or just the different phrasing that he's using, he's no longer broken or he's awoken uh, a, a lot of different things. So it, it points you toward, Hey, are they coming back? Uh, but let me ask you guys this. If they do come back, do you think WWE allows them to use their characters or do you think they'll put the, the old kibosh um on the broken stuff i would care less if they came back as the old hardies because they're not the same kids they were they're not oh, oh come I, on. I, get, I, Lita, get Lita back Re reunite team extreme just have I, them come out there looking like it's 1999 you know it, it, to me the, this would be the same mistake you made bringing back goldberg yeah. you bring him back the rock at times the, their time is passing you need to be in a different capacity the, the broken Matt Hardy is the only reason why we cared about TNA or even why we cared about the Hardys in the last year to begin with. If you're going to bring them back, you have to bring them back with that gimmick or you're just undoing whatever everybody had done for the last year plus. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, they got to go to SmackDown. I, I don't think on Raw they're going to get any creative latitude like they would. I think on SmackDown, given how SmackDown ended uh, last night, I could absolutely see them having a little creative free reign in SmackDown. Do you think it's time to have an interpromotional guy who can bounce back and forth? They've done very well at keeping them separate. I, I kind of said if there was going to be somebody, it should have been the club that bounced back and forth yeah. and create drama on both brands. Maybe could it be the Hardys? Would they be able to pull that off? 
Well, they can teleport, so they have that working for them. Um, <laughs> so they, they can they can be on either brand. There you go. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Cool, guys. So uh, thanks for joining me today on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and thank you for listening to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Sunday night, we'll be back here to talk about Fastlane. Are you guys looking forward to that to that pay-per-view at all? Now, it is a Raw brand pay-per-view, but uh, we did our predictions on our Monday Night Raw recaps, but... Uh, yeah, Dennis, uh, what about you? Anything uh, KO versus Goldberg? I hope Oldberg loses. You don't need the belts on, on him or Lesnar to progress that storyline. You're only going to hurt uh, KO with having him drop the belt to him. Do not do it. Please, w if you're watching WWE, <laughs> I'm begging you. I'm begging. I will, I will give you one of my paychecks not to let this happen. No. Um, as long as it's not my wrestling ink paycheck, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Raj. I love you. Um, but um, no, I, this pay-per-view to me is, is obviously designed to set up the Mania card. As far as the Goldberg KO thing, if Chris Jericho inter interferes and costs KO the match and we get that singles match, and if it's for somewhat of a title, if it's the U.S. title, whatever the case may be, I'll give that a chance. But to me, again, like you said, Dennis, the belt does not need to be on Lesnar or Goldberg. But with that said, what purpose is there a third match if Goldberg has already dominated Lesnar twice? I'll, I'll say this here. I, I'm here in Detroit. They're advertising the March 13th Raw that's going to be here in Detroit. And the uh, main event is going to be Roman Reigns versus KO for the Universal title. But they're also advertising Chris Jericho on the card. So we know Chris Jericho will be back to create a problem. I, I don't know how they progress it. I would love to see KO and Jericho. But at the same time, I want to see him do it at Mania with both of them holding the belt. Right. Yeah, that would be the ultimate situation. But unfortunately, uh, I think Mr. McMahon doesn't see it our way. Uh, he still thinks the Hoss battle, the big names, the the marquee names is still going to draw. And in some cases it will. But to the more to the more, uh, I guess, I don't want to say die hard, but the more, I guess, old school type of things that, that want to see true wrestling rather than storytelling. You know, we want to see that Jericho KO match. But the old school mentality of Mr. McMahon, the big hoss match, the marquee names. That's why I think where he's going to go with that. Well, we'll see guys. We'll see what happens. Uh, tune in to our coverage of fast lane happening right after the pay-per-view goes off the air on the East coast on Sunday night to hear about all the analysis of what happens. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll all be proven wrong with how, how this can go. So if you like the show, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes or YouTube. And, of course, we are here every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern to talk about SmackDown. Love doing this today, uh, Dennis and Chris, with you guys. Looking forward to having you back in the future. And Monday nights, of course, our Raw recaps with myself, Raj, and Mr. Matt Morgan. So, until next time, everybody, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.